0: Welcome back everyone. This is Eric Elveson with the Digital Education Podcast. And I know there's some excitement around, um, in a week or so, I guess it was, they had the red carpet and preview event for Ted Lasso for season two. And we've been doing a series over the summer inspired by, in particular, my friend Mitch Salerno called Leadership Lessons from Lasso. And I had an incredible conversation with a new friend while I was in Texas at Baylor University, and she's from Arkansas. And we made a lot of these connections, but today I'm, I'm just asking Katie Amadzai um, what she took from Ted Lasso and the leadership lessons from Lasso.
1: Great, thanks so much, Eric, for having me on. My husband and I um, discovered Ted Lasso after somebody sent him a clip. He's from Afghanistan and has never fully embraced um, American football and and then not being able to call his sport that's football football anymore um, so being able to see the two combined in this show just was wonderful to him and he laughed nonstop stop um, at every preview that he saw so we watched the whole we've watched the whole season a couple of times now and so much enjoyed it Uh, but we both said as we watched the the video oh my goodness there are so many great lessons in here and uh, one that jumps out at me that i just absolutely love is uh, when i guess the first time it shows up it shows up a couple of times during the season but is when sam in a game totally misses a shot and so he comes over and he's just despondent <laughs> and usually you see a coach just totally railing on somebody and ted goes you know what the happiest animal in the world is a goldfish and there's just a blank stare on the player on sam's face he's just like what i'm not following he says you know why he's the happiest one in the world because his memory is only 10 seconds and uh, and i just love that be a goldfish he says and sends it back out and so I was like, yes, be a goldfish. That's probably one of my favorites. Um, as a thinker and kind of an introvert, I tend to overanalyze everything. So if something goes wrong, I'm going to dwell on that and work it out. And it can become a little bit too obsessive. So I've had to remind myself several times, just be a goldfish, take what I can learn, move on.
0: So, okay, so a couple things because educators definitely have, a propensity to what you just described. You know, they ponder things, they own them, it sinks deep into their heart and their mind, you know, and and there is this place where so much of what we do on a daily basis, you know, whether it be in the classroom or whether it be with students or our peers or, you know, in leadership at school, like how do we, how have you learned or what are some techniques, number one, to live it out in your life? But then also number two, to kind of speak that truth and, and that encouragement into other people's lives.
1: Absolutely. So um, whenever I was in my early 20s, I really struggled with a lot of anxiety. And um, part of part of doing that was doing some therapy too, right? So I had some some really great therapists that encouraged me to think along the lines of, of kind of pulling my brain out of that being really metacognition is what it came down to like, because I would get into spots before I realized I had gotten into a spot. Um, So training my brain to think about what I'm thinking about. Um, And then Philippians 3, 12 through 14 has been one of my favorite verses ever since college. Um, It really gave me the permission to do two things. First of all, not to be perfect because I haven't arrived yet. And then the other thing is to forget the things that are past and press on towards a goal. And so having that verse in my mind at all points in time is um really freeing in that way uh, and i'm not saying i feel like sometimes whenever i say be a goldfish to myself i'm like but i still want to learn from those lessons and so it's that fine balance of being able to take what i can learn without beating myself up because of it and keeping me stuck in the past um, so so the the verse in or the passage in Philippians definitely helps me move ahead with that you know not i'm not there yet so i can forgive myself i can put that grace and um i can also forget what's past and i can move on towards the goal
0: so 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 many interesting just even threads in there in a lot of ways because i think it is really interesting right he says to sam be a goldfish right he doesn't say to you know roy kent or you know or jamie tart or some of the other you know Personalities in there because because Sam wasn't maybe confident in setting himself or you know you, you don't have that full character development but there there was a lack of confidence there and so to build that into him to keep going to try again and to go after it but yet then you also mentioned like so much of what we learn in life is we ponder we think about we we re kind of assess or we rethink. Our experiences that make us better so for you and as you think about this and even as you're leading students and then as you you know work with your colleagues and lead others like how how do how do you help them depending on who they are right, right find that fine line of thinking again but then also being a goldfish
1: i think that's an important thing a really important balance right it's one of those huge paradoxes that that you have to be able to balance. I love working with my students. I work, have worked with um, a lot of honor students through the years and have identified with a lot of them in um, a being scared to make mistakes and when they do not always being able to move past that mistake. Uh, And so one thing that I've also noticed is that they also are very much achievers. So it's not always about the, the learning process. It's about the, the end score or the end goal. And so my my teaching style seem, tends to be very heavy on metacognition, very heavy on let's go back, let's reflect, let's see what we've learned because I really want things to stick. But at the same time, I don't want them to get stuck back there. Um, so, so I do about... Really, a balance of encouraging both. I am very vocal in in encouraging and being specific with my language. Okay, this is a time when we need to pause. We need to reflect. We want to, you know, almost look at what we've messed up on, but make that push us forward instead of make that be a sticking point, a st- you know, a big mud puddle, um, and. And what I've seen and I have students share experiences where maybe they've been one way or the other way. And we talk about what, what would it look like if I thought about that differently? But if my mindset starts changing and I think about that differently so I can move past it. And I've seen a lot of students at by the time they finish a course and they've done some of these activities and we've had some of these conversations get to a point where they're like, oh, the light bulb moment kind of comes on. Um, at the same time, I feel like with teachers, whenever I'm working with teachers, we kind of have a, a common language in many ways, um, but sometimes we just haven't given ourselves permission to kind of move on past some of those mistakes. I tried something and it didn't work and now I'm stuck. So then we then we get to have those good conversations of working out the details, what can we learn? And then we've just, you know, we've picked a really bad you know curriculum and it we're just stuck in it for another year what can we do just to make it through and make it the best it can be for this year and then we'll rehash and move forward um, so so just having to do our best sometimes through sticky places but recognizing and calling what it was you know okay that was a mistake I'm not going to say that was a perfect you know situation and I did right um, but I'm still can move forward through that
0: that's so interesting you talk about kind of how do things stick without us maybe even getting stuck right you know and so that juxta or that kind of thread or kind of the way we look at it um, so interesting because even as a teacher I remember one of the greatest things is a lesson went terribly wrong and and I had a, a colleague say to me like listen, switch it up if it's going bad <laughs> um, but then also at the end of it, Think about like, was the lesson bad or was the lesson implementer or implementation (laughs) off, right? And so it was that fun conversation that, you know, as you're going through it, it's like, hey, sometimes you stick at it, stick at it. And other times it's just, I just need to readjust. Um, Let me ask one last question. This one will throw you on the spot, right? Because we look at, you know, kind of football versus soccer and all the language. And you've lived kind of all over the world and had some really, really unique experiences in in your in your life and in your professional journey too. Um, like, what's it like, you know, as you talk about early with your husband, you know, watching something where he lives in this land of, you know, football, and then American football, and you know, the cultural context, what was what was it like watching someone else kind of watch this and, and see the cultural comparisons and the cultural interactions between within this show?
1: Well, it was it was hilarious because my husband has a very contagious laugh anyway. And once he gets started, he cannot stop. So uh, there are just many places where I feel like my husband also lived in the UK for a few years, so he knew the places and the people and the traditions there very well. So anytime there was that juxtaposition of of something that he's experienced in the U.S. and then something that totally is is an actual football reference, um, he would ju- he would lose it. And so uh, it was so much fun to have that because there were things that I was like, I, I would be Ted Lasso in this situation because I, I still haven't figured out offsides, you know, but I, I admire the fact that he does. So it was kind of fun to let him be able to explain things to me because I'm always explaining things to him in American football whenever we're watching um, things, college football in the fall and things like that. He's like, okay, so they're actually running more than they are kicking the ball. And yet you still, you know, demand to call this football. And I was like, yes, but they will kick the ball eventually. He was like, but that's not primarily how they use the ball. And I was like, you are correct. (laughs) So he still trumps it over me that we shouldn't be calling it football because the ball usage does not um, actually use the foot enough to be able to call it that.
0: It's so great. I love it. I love it. There's so many different ways you can go. Um, maybe one last tidbit. W- what character, like for season two, what character are you most interested in seeing
1: what happens
0: with?
1: Oh my goodness. I mean, there there's little bits and pieces of them all that I'm so <laughs> excited about. Um, I, I really just look forward to seeing, of course, like Ted, how Ted moves forward. Um, but I um, have really loved Roy as well, and the way the season ended, where he pretty much knew that his career on the field was going to be drawing to an end. I'm really kind of curious about what's he going to do next, and how is he going to be a part of what's coming up? Nice,
0: nice. Katie, this is fun. Thanks for sharing a little bit, and thanks for kind of that lesson and and then not getting lost in this, you know, conversation a little bit, but encouragement, especially for a lot of educators as we reenter this year, right? Tired, exhausted, but be a goldfish goldfish. and and go after it again, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Every day, new day.
0: (laughs) Katie, thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Eric.